This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... So I'm, I'm going to get a tattoo. I don't know if you, if you knew that. Um, I, I don't have any tattoos yet. I'm 40. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast, a ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and today I will continue talking with Pastor Christian, lead pastor for JCI, about his recent message in our Sunday series, Letters from Jesus. We'll be taking a closer look at Jesus' letter to the church at Philadelphia, found in Revelation uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, and learning how we can activate what we learn from that letter into our lives. Uh, Pastor Christian, before we jump into Sunday's message, welcome back to the podcast. I, I would love to hear your reflections on the last uh, last weekends that, that we've, we've had at JCI. A couple weekends ago, actually, we had a Friday night women's event. We had Dr. Tara Jenkins on Sunday morning. We had a Monday night men's event with the Chiefs-Broncos game. Um, we were really busy, but but I believe it was impactful. But I'd love to hear your your reflections on it and, and just your heart to see all these dozens, if not hundreds of volunteers jumping in to help. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. Seeing what the volunteers did, um, man, is, is just inspiring, right? I mean, min- ministry is is our job. I mean, it's our calling, but it's our job. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the ministry we do, really all the ministry we do, I mean, it's it's how we earn a living. Um, it, it is our job. And there are people who work not just as hard, but harder at their job than we do at ministry. And then they come put in hours of volunteer service. If you ask ministry people to volunteer as much time helping our friends at their jobs as we ask people at our church to spend helping us, I think we would all be ashamed at just like the diligent spirit that lives in the volunteers of people who are volunteering for ministry. So I was just blown away. I mean, all week long before the ladies event, there were ladies up here preparing things, getting things ready. Um, in the weekend before people up here preparing things, getting things ready for our guys night. And it's funny because you said, you know, we, we were busy, but it was impactful. I would say we were impactful because we weren't busy because on the normal Sunday morning, you got to get in, you got to get out. I mean, that's just a reality. We do four, right? We do, we do four services every week. Um, it's busy. Sunday is busy at Journey. So to be able to have, you know, 450, nearly 500 women in the building that weren't busy, they could come early, they could hang, they could worship, they could learn, they could worship some more, then they could go stand by a fire pit. Nobody was in a hurry to leave. To have unrushed community was so valuable. And then the same thing for the guys night. Um, you know, so often the guys in our church, they walk in, they they may serve a little bit. They sit down. They listen to a message. They hear worship. We say amen, and then they have to leave because we need their parking space. So for guys to be able to to spend, you know, I was up here for more than four and a half hours just hanging out. I tried every 15 minutes to switch tables and go hang out and talk to somebody different. I would say it was impactful because we weren't busy. So I'm so grateful for our volunteers, and I'm so grateful for spiritual community that is unrushed. None of us have time for it. All of us have a need for it, and I felt super encouraged by the end of the weekend by the community that I was able to have with people. And really, that helps us understand the why. You mentioned the spiritual community or the the, the opportunity for community. We don't host events just to host an event. There's there's intentionality behind it, right? right? We yeah, we don't have time to just do extra stuff, but we don't we we don't have time to not have good spiritual community either. So there there's a tension in that. Um, so we tried to we try to put forth very valuable effort 
into things that will create great spiritual value in our life. Well, that's a great lead into the church that we studied this past Sunday, uh, the church at Philadelphia. Um, in that letter to the church, Jesus is revealed as the one who is holy and true. Uh, you stated that Jesus is the one who can be completely trusted, but life with Jesus is a learned trust. I, I love that statement. Let's let's talk about that for just a moment. Is it possible to begin to follow Jesus before we completely dr- trust Jesus? And, and when did you really begin to learn that you can trust Jesus completely? So I'm going to answer that question in a way that's that's going to throw the whole question into confusion, Probably, right? You so, do that often. Yeah, That's okay. So I, so I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I asked him to forgive me of my sin. I asked him to connect me to God. I asked him to let me go to heaven when I died when I was six years old. So I trusted Jesus as my Savior for my forgiveness, for my eternity when I was six. Um, there are still areas in my life where I'm working on trusting him. So do I trust Jesus? Yes. And no, uh, right? I'm the I'm the dad in the book of Mark whose son is having seizures, and Jesus comes down the mountain, uh, and the guy runs to Jesus and says, "If you can help, help." And Jesus says, "If anything's possible, if you'll just believe." And the dad said, "I believe. Help my unbelief. I I trust, and and I don't trust. Um, it, it's as simple as one of the first prayers I ever learned was a prayer over a meal. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him." for this food, a lot of us trust that God is great, spiritually speaking. God can forgive sin. God can be with you. God can help you go to heaven when you die. Those are all spiritual things. We trust that God is great. We don't really trust that God is good, because if we trusted that God was good, we wouldn't be worried about anything today. If we trusted that God was good, we wouldn't be afraid of anything today. Um, So, you know, saying God is great is kind of revealing that spiritual trust. God is great to handle these spiritual things. Saying God is good means he takes care of everything else, too. Um, So, yeah, it's possible to trust that God is great while learning to trust that God is good. Um, I, I think maybe that's how that's how I would try to say that. That's good. I, I love what you do on on Sunday morning messages. You give us this high, really deep theological perspective on things, but you make it really practical for our lives. And you ask convicting key questions, and you asked three of those this past Sunday. The first one was this, what area in your life does Jesus want you to trust him more? Uh, maybe there's someone listening to this podcast right now that's saying, listen, I trust Jesus. I trust him. Is there a deeper question that we can actually ask that would help individuals like me in the past that would have said, I trust Jesus? Um, That would help people to look deeper into the life that may reveal an area that they don't trust Jesus completely. It's a great question. And yeah, I think I've got a good answer. Um, The key question that we're asking people to ask, what area in your life does Jesus want you to trust him more in? You say, how do I find that? Easy. What are you afraid of? That's an area. Jesus is trying to press in on. What are you worried about? That's an area Jesus is trying to press in on. Um, Where are you struggling spiritually? That is an area that Jesus is trying to press in on, because ultimately all of our faith journey is a journey of trust. It's it's a journey, you know, faith is, um, you know, trust is faith in action. It's actually doing what we say we believe. We trust it enough to do it. So if you say, well, how do I know where Jesus wants me to trust him more? What are you afraid of? What are you worried about? Where are you unsettled? All of those are spiritual pressure points where Jesus is trying to say, I want you to trust me here, and I want you to trust me here, and I want you to trust me 
here? What are you confused about? What questions don't you know the answer to? What's keeping you up at night? Those are all spiritual pressure points where Jesus is saying, and I want you to trust me here, and I want you to trust me here, and I want you to trust me here. Which one of your kids are you the most worried about? That's a pressure point where Jesus is saying, and I want you to trust me here. What part of your retirement future are you worried about? That's a place where Jesus is saying, and I want you to trust me here. All of those are areas that have spiritual truth, spiritual direction, and you can go find a lot of the answers in those, which is, you know, one of the challenges that we ask people to to do this week is, hey, go go find an area God's speaking to you about, find some key scripture, memorize some key scripture, begin to recite that daily scripture, have it everywhere where you can see it, and do what that scripture is telling you to do, and just see what happens. Well, let's let's... Let me piggyback off of that for just a moment, and let's just do something really practical. If you're driving the car, you're going to have to do this a little bit later. But uh, Pastor Christian, I'd love to do this with you. You you said this, what questions don't you have the answers to? Right. Um, that's an area where we may need to press in and learn to trust God a little bit more, and we can do something really practical with that. We can dig into the Word, we can um, Google things, and uh, you have in front of you right now as we record this podcast uh, a very large Bible. Right. It's a study Bible, right? It's a study Bible. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's not it's not like the uh, it's not like the the right. family no. like coffee table the big Bible. Leather yeah, it's not that bag. one. Yeah. It's just it's just yeah. a study Bible. Yeah. Well, let's do something just unique. Why don't you let's let's look up the word trust? Yeah. So one of our one of our challenges to people is they say, okay, I've got an area that I'm worried about. How do I how do I find scriptures to tell me? what the Bible says. How do I know what to memorize? So one of the things we're challenging our small groups to do is to try to do two things. One, get a good study Bible. A good study Bible will have a topical index in the back where you can go look up the word trust. So we're, we're looking up trust. Some people might be looking up the word lust. Some people might be looking up the word finances. Some people might be looking up the word fear. Um, and I said, if you don't have a study Bible, Google it. So you have your computer. You are Googling Bible verses on trust. I am in the back of my Bible looking in my topical index on trust, and here's what I'm seeing on, on trust. Here's where I can learn God is the object of trust, Psalm 65. Um, here are some encouragements to trust. Um, trust in the everlasting strength of God, Isaiah 26.4. Trust in the goodness of God, Nahum 1.7. Trust that God is loving, Psalm 36.7. Trust that God is generous, 1 Timothy 6.17. Trust that God cares, 1 Peter 5.7. Trust that God delivers people from things you might be going through. Psalm 910, 2 Corinthians 110, and I keep, and I keep, keep going. Um, exhortations to trust, Psalm 4, 5, Psalm 115. Um, what happens when you trust? You get surrounded with mercy, Psalm 32. You enjoy peace, Isaiah 26. Um, you enjoy temporary and spiritual blessings, Isaiah 57. You enjoy happiness. And I could keep going, right? That's one word where you say, I need to know what the Bible says about trust. If you have a great study Bible, it will tell you. If you don't have a study Bible, you have Google. What, right. what is so I, I Googled verses on trust. I got And I, I would put Bible verses. If I was Bible Googling verses, it, I would sure. put Bible verses on trust. That might There's shrink a, down my results. I had 89 million, <laughs> million uh, points of reference. But let me just pick the top second. Let me look at the second one. 51 Bible verses about trust. I can click go. on that. There's one for nearly every week of the year, and they're listed right there. And, and what I would uh, ask people to do is read through those, and the some of them won't mean anything to you. And one of them you're going to read, and here's what your soul is going to do. You're not even going to do it on purpose. You're going to read it, and you're going to go, hmm, that's the one for you. 
That's the one that Jesus is pressing on. Some of you, you'll read and you'll think, okay, okay, okay. Then you'll read one and you go, hmm, that's your soul getting punched in the gut. That's the one you need. Write it down on an index card. Try to memorize it. Write it down in 10 different places on 10 different sticky notes. Stick it on the mirror in the bathroom. Stick it on, you know, someplace in your car. Put it on your computer at work. Put it on your nightstand and just read. Every time you see it, read it out loud. Read it out loud. Remind yourself of God's promises on trust. That's good. And I would go one step even further with that. Not only write it down, but regurgitate it. Go tell someone about it. Right. Text somebody, hey, I just read the scripture. I'm just memorizing the scripture. It's really important to me. Yeah, today. what we what we learn stays with us for a specific length of time. What we teach stays with us usually twice as long. So yeah, if you go tell someone, you're gonna remember it a whole lot better. Well, we encur- encourage you to go out and try that this week. I think we'll I think you'll find it extremely valuable. Um, let's let's jump into question number three today, Pastor Christian. Jesus uncovered in the heart of the church at Philadelphia that they had little strength. And honestly, when when I heard this, when I when I first read this, it appeared to be a, a negative against the church. But you pointed out in your message, it was actually a great compliment. Um, I found it so encouraging to know that even when we demonstrate little strength, we can have big impact. Uh, Pastor Christian, looking back at the past seven years of ministry at JCI, when did this reality become true to you? In other words, when did you start seeing that this little small group, this little church could begin to have big impact? Yeah, so we did our second ever preview service on July 10th, 2011. It was my anniversary, Um, and that was the first service that somebody um, made a spiritual decision to follow Jesus in. Uh, God by the name of Luis Plasencia, who now serves on our worship team and plays in our worship band, came on July 10th. He and some guys in our church had been at a weightlifting competition in Iowa um, the uh, the day before, like a, a weekend weightlifting competition. And driving back, they convinced him to come to church with him, and he came. Um, and when he got saved, I thought, man, if we never if we never do anything else, we have made eternal impact. Um, one per- if we never do anything else, we have made eternal impact. Today, his girlfriend, who became his fiance, would end up coming, making a spiritual decision. We were able to baptize both of them. We've been able to dedicate their children now, who go to our our church, and and that's just that's just one of many stories. But I thought, man, if that's the only reason our church ever started, it was worth it for one family to get locked in spiritually. It was worth what we did. Um, little strength making big impact. Let me follow up with that for just a moment. You talked about how little strength can provide big impact, and that we should. Use the little strength that we have to be faithful, trusting that we will be validated in the eyes of God, and believing we'll always be rescued um, before we are crushed by our obedience. I'd love for you to talk about this idea of validation for a moment. Your second key question from Sunday was extremely convicting to me. It was this, in what ways can people see Jesus in your everyday life? Um, Let me just ask you this, what might the validation for men and women— co-workers, family members um, look like if Jesus is at the center and our lives revolve around him? It won't always be positive, right? It's not going to be always good, right? Yeah, not always. I mean, Jesus was rejected. So, I mean, just becoming like Jesus doesn't doesn't make us win the popularity vote, right? I mean, we don't, we don't win the, the contest for most popular person by becoming just like Jesus. We might at church, but not in the world. I mean, Jesus told his disciples, people hated me they're going to hate you. So, you know, Galatians 1.10, Paul says, you know, am I trying to please men or please God? If I'm still trying to please men, I can't be a, a true disciple. So we've got to care about people. We've got to love people. 
But ultimately, we have to make decisions. Ultimately, we have to base truth. Ultimately, we have to live for an audience of one. That's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but, you know, kind of big motto, live for an audience of one. Uh, We've got to look forward one day to eternal validation. We want God saying, you did good. You want God saying, I thought well of you. Um, and, And one day, Scripture says that every knee in heaven on earth and below the earth, every tongue in heaven on earth and below the earth is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And there may be some people who just who were totally opposed to everything that we believed in our Christianity. They should still be grateful for our heart and lives. We should be the best citizens of any country of the world that ever exists if that country isn't making us or trying to force us to do things that they go contrary to our faith in our God. But when it comes to just being loving, good people, um, Christians should be that. But we're going to have some truth that people are opposed to. But there's a thought that on that day, one day when they recognize Jesus, it will not just be a validation of, of, wow, Jesus was real and his truth was real and he was serious. But it's almost like Jesus is telling the church at Philadelphia that in that moment when their knee is bowed and their tongue is confessing Jesus, they're going to think about those Christians and think they were right. They were right in what they believed. They were right in how they lived their lives. They were always so loving towards me, but they, you know, they never told me God didn't care about certain things in my life. They were, it's like this validation moment that probably won't happen to eternity, but there'll be a day when, when they will say, you know what? The people who truly put Jesus at the center of their life, they were right. I, I wish we would have done that. That's, that's kind of the reflection that God is giving on people, people who say it's stupid to put Jesus at the center of your life. He said, there's going to be this point of validation, so either now or in eternity when they look and they're going to think, wow, that was really the right thing to do. And when they do that, they're going to think of the one they know who did put Jesus in the center of their life and say, wow, I wish, I wish I'd have done what he did. I wish I would have done what she did. They were the ones who always, everything revolved around Jesus. And that really was the challenge to the church at Philadelphia, right? He was encouraging them, continue, continue to, to put me at the center. Um, and, and people may not appreciate that, especially here. They're not going to validate you, but keep pressing on, remain victorious. And that's really our challenge to this day as well, because I think oftentimes we put Jesus at the center, our lives start looking different. We don't receive the validation we expected and we give up too soon, right? That was the point in your message, right? Yeah. And what's crazy is that the validation is not one of the promises. It's one of the realities, right? So God didn't say, do this for the validation. He said, do this and no one day you'll be validated, but do this because of what it does for you. Because the more you put Jesus at the center of your life, the more peace you're going to have. You don't do this so people will applaud you. You do this so God will be so close to you that you will be at peace in your spirit and in your heart. And all those areas of trust that we talked about, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What are you unsettled about? All those things go away when you have Jesus as the foundation of your trust, and that's what being faithful does for you. Validation happens from others, great, may happen now, may happen later, but peace happens now, and that's what we're all chasing. Well, that leads to the last question today, Pastor Christian. The blessing that we will receive as revealed to the church at Philadelphia is that we will experience the foundation of peace. I love how you broke down the, the name Jerusalem, that, that, that's where that comes from. You stated Christians should be seen as the ones who are at peace. And I was, again, extremely convicted by this, and I paused to reflect upon my thoughts and my behaviors last week. I, I asked myself this question, when people were around me, did they experience less 
or greater peace in their life. Let me just ask you this. Who are those people in your life, those pillars of peace for you? And, and what specifically do they do that gives you greater peace in your life? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to get a tattoo. I don't know if you, if you knew that. Um, I, I don't have any tattoos yet. I'm 40. But according to Revelation 3, yeah, okay. I'm going to get a tattoo. Okay. You and you're going to get a tattoo. <laughs> Jason and Michelle, who are both looking at me like I'm crazy, are going to get tattoos. Jason because, claims he has a because, tattoo now. <laughs> because Jesus said that he's going to write on us the name of Jerusalem. So I'm, I hope he writes it in Hebrew. The Hebrew word Jerusalem would be a much cooler tattoo than the English word Jerusalem. I've been all over the world, and they don't have English words written on them like we put words in other languages written on us. I guess English just isn't as cool. But we're, we're all going to get a tattoo of Jerusalem, the name Jerusalem, which is a Hebrew word, two Hebrew words, Yeru Shalom. That's what Jerusalem means, Yeru Shalom. You know, of course, Shalom means what? Peace. The word Jerusalem means the foundations of peace. God says one day, here's, here's what will be tattooed to your soul. One day, here's how you'll be recognized. You'll have this foundation of peace in your life. People will see you as the peaceful one. I love that picture. It is my favorite part of this message. Yeru Shalom, the foundations of peace. You will be the foundation of peace in your family in your relationships, in your neighborhood. I hope that one day is true of the Christians in our church, that we are the foundations of peace in our community. Who are the pillars of peace that I look to in my life? One of them I, I met with this morning, Jimmy Dot. Um, one of them I met with last week, Dan Sutherland. One of them I talked to on the phone, tried to talk to him on the phone once every couple months, Pastor Brian Beloy. There are pastors and spiritual leaders who have been through the moments that cause me not to trust. You say, what do I talk to them about? Same questions. What I'm afraid of, what I'm worried about, what I'm unsettled in. And I talk to them about these things as a, as a guy who's pastor in a church seven years old, who's 40. And they talk to me about when they were pastor in a church that was seven, eight, 10 years old when they were 40. And they talk about how every time when they followed God in those areas, he moved and they give me faith. They, they, it's like they share their faith experience with me until I can believe in a faith experience of my own. Um, so I, I look at people who have been through the fears, been through the worries, been through the things I'm unsettled in. I, I hear their stories and I borrow their faith until my faith experience happens. And then I try to figure out how to help other people through podcasts and sermons and everything else borrow my faith experiences until theirs come. Well, Pastor Christian, I just want to tell you just personally, thank you for prioritizing time this week and every week to provide this resource. I learned so much just in the last 20, 22, 23 minutes that we spent. And I want to thank you for listening and carving out a little bit of your weekly schedule to listen to this podcast. Just a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast and you and you have a question, please don't hesitate to ask by sending us an email to activate at takethejourney.cc. Who knows, someone else may have the same exact question you have, and you'll be just doing, a, doing them a favor by asking. So we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith. That is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, 
please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.